Welcome, I'm Moshe Ferber. And I am Ariel Munafon. And this is the Silver Lining Podcast, a podcast about security architecture. Good morning, everyone. We are here in Tel Aviv from our studio. Uh, thanks to Naor that is hosting us, a uh, Silver Lining Podcast. And today we, has, uh, we are with uh, Moshe Ferber. Hi, good morning. And we are hosting today Shira Shanban from uh, Dom9 slash Checkpoints. Good morning, everyone. Happy to be here. You are our first uh, lady, woman, I don't know, uh, so uh, we are very happy to have you. It's a great honor, but also I wish uh, I am the first of many other women who will be here. Yeah, that, yeah. that's a big no-no to us because we could have had more uh, women and we have a, now, now we have a list of women we want to invite and we'll do that. There are so many talented, no, sorry, there are talented women in our uh, industry, not so many, but we have, so, uh, we, have very f- uh, we have very talented women, so we need to bring them on. And Shira, you're the first one, so it's great to host you here. Happy to be here. Um, we're going to talk to you about uh, cloud challenges that you see inside Checkpoint, inside Dom9. But first of all, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you coming from? What do you do in Checkpoint? Great. So I joined Checkpoint uh, as they acquired Dome 9 security. Before Dome 9, I had a long career in the military. I did uh, many different things, but at some point after 13 years, I decided to make a stop and see what's out there. I literally had no idea what is going on in the security industry uh, outside of uh, the Glilot camp. <laughs> uh, so I just, I took a, a leave. Uh, I didn't, uh, like, I was looking for a job, but not so intensively because I really wanted to understand what, what is going on out there. I realized I need LinkedIn. I realized a lot of things are happening on Twitter. So, so many obvious things that I just didn't know. I started wandering around and understanding what the industry is like. I met a lot of interesting people, uh, but at some point I met uh, Zohar Alon, the CEO of Dom9, and it was a kind of a love at first sight, and I just came to the Dom9 R&D Center in Tel Aviv and joined them to start a log manage or log something product. We didn't even know <laughs> what the product was actually going to do. I knew it was going to have to do with logs. And this is how I started working for Dome 9, my first experience outside of the military. And all I knew is that this has to be a successful experience for me. Because, you know, I don't want to go back saying, oh, it's too scary out there. I'll just stay here. So I wanted a very meaningful uh, experience. I, and I just couldn't expect it to be this kind of experience. It was so exciting to be a part of this company. And of course, a part of the acquisition, which, you know, is very not trivial. Yeah. So this is how I got to where I am today. I think the interesting thing is that Zoralon took you, uh, you were from the IDF, so you have zero cloud knowledge, I guess, and he took you as a cloud analyst, which really shows that he was, he had trust in your abilities. And, uh, this or is that really he's very crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe both. <laughs> it seems to be working. It seems to be working yeah. for him. So yeah. I have nothing to say. But Chia, you're also heavily involved in community work. And this is really something I want you to share. You're doing a security diva and you're doing OWASP uh, Israel uh, board membership. And you're also doing uh, the top threat working group for the Cloud Security Alliance. Tell us a little bit uh, about it, all your community work. All right. So... Uh, working with women, you know, being in the military, I didn't understand what 
what is all this feminist talking about? I mean, if you're good, then you will succeed, regardless if you're a man or a woman. But only after I left the military, I started to realize that succeeding in the, in the work industry is, is not that easy for women. I started to, re- to feel it on, on myself, on my personal experiences, why just being good is not enough. You also need a very thick skin. You also need to be rude. And you also need to accept the fact that in a certain situation, when you will speak your mind, you will be considered as very aggressive, where a man would be very interesting. And, you know, he has a very interesting things to say. So realizing that I did some more reading about it. And I realized that you don't have that many women in the industry because they don't think women has place in the industry because they don't see other women. I was like, okay, so let's change it. What can we do about it? I need them to see me. They need to see there are other women in the industry. How am I going to do that? I started doing two things. One is lecturing in she codes, in uh, cyber ladies, wherever I could come and speak and I didn't find myself as a, you know, a very advanced um, expert. I just wanted to show them that there are other women in the industry and you have to start somewhere. I also only recently, relatively recently started my career, uh, but, but it's possible and you can do it. So I started uh, speaking wherever I could. Um, and I realized that in those meetups, the best times of the meetups are, of course, you have interesting lectures, but the best times are the networking before or between sessions. And I was like, okay, I think we need uh, a meetup just for the networking part. <laughs> okay. And this is when I started uh, Security Diva meetups. Uh, we have um, mentoring branches where a bunch of mentors and a bunch of mentees in different phases of their career meet together, have a brunch, have some coffee, and have the opportunity to just talk about all the challenges and all the questions that they have. Uh, so, so far we had a few um, success stories, uh, which always warms my heart and makes me want to have more and more meetups like that. So stay tuned, we will have more of these. Um, as for OWASP, but, but, but uh, yeah. first of all, I want yes. to, to say a thing about, uh, you know, women in tech. I have a community of 7,000 people, uh, Israel Clouds uh, community, and I always talk to women to, to be active. Mm-hmm. And I don't, uh, I, 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 didn't, I, don't um, I, I, I don't know how. Okay. Uh, so, um, first of all, very often uh, a personal approach would be very good. Like come up to someone who, you know, has been working in the industry for a year or two and say, would you like to come and talk about something that you did? And she will say, no, no, I've never spoken in, you know, in front of a big audience before. So say, okay, it's okay. Let's go over your slides together and practice on them together. And let's start with a small meetup of 30 to 40 people. You don't have to come and take the RSA uh, stage. Uh, This is for me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So this is one way of, of doing it. I know that a lot of people have stuff to say about meetups that are only for women. They don't understand why we need that. And I wish that at some point we will not need them. But I think that in in a group of women who are like-minded, it's very easy for women to come and practice. It's a very warm audience where you can feel like even if it's a, it's a disaster, I can fail and they will not mock me. They will not, you know, blacklist me on the industry. It's going to be fine. So 
maybe maybe have a, a like a group of five or ten women who will meet together for the first time mm-hmm. and then uh, push them into speaking to a larger group of uh, more diverse okay, audience so I'm uh, appointing you to Israel crowds woman uh, <laughs> <laughs> community manager to, to make sure it happen okay. from my experience you need a trailblazing woman you need the guys that show the path then others will follow so you need somebody to lead this uh, I have Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have a match here. Other so, rec- yeah. yeah, so this was uh, regarding uh, women's uh, stuff, but uh, I also do uh, everyone's stuff. <laughs> uh, so o- OSP Israel, I was recently nominated along with uh, Ori Troina to be the co-chairs of uh, OSP Israel. It was just after uh, we hosted the Global AppSec uh, conference here in Tel Aviv, which was also a great success. We had people coming from literally all over the world, from India oh. to Argentina. Amazing. People came uh, to speak and it was it was wonderful. We had great weather. We had great speakers. We also got a lot of good feedbacks about the conference uh, and we will soon start working on our 2020 conference. Uh, and also this year, we're going to have a lot more meetups for the community. Next one is uh, coming up uh, November 5th, along with DevSecCon that is happening on the same day. So they are hosting it with us in Akamai. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, right after the conference, everyone who are coming or not coming to the conference, please join us uh, afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and other than that, the uh, uh, CSA, the Cloud Security Alliance, which is also an international organization that's trying to set some benchmarks and also help people learn about security. Um, I'm a member of the group that is called... Uh, Top threats. Yeah, <laughs> the top threats group uh, where we analyze uh, events that recently happened, uh, try to understand why exactly did they happen, what were the mistakes or what could have uh, the security engineers uh, do differently. And uh, we every now and then we publish, uh, you know, kind of uh, stories and uh, technical analysis of them or analyze the top threats. 10 threats that are very common in the cloud. Uh, and we really try to help, you know, security engineers, cloud security engineers, take, uh, tear the, take their expertise, you know, one level uh, forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really like the top threat report because uh, it, it's not only just a list of threats. It has all this, they have all these examples and anecdotes of, okay, this is what happened due to this threat. This is how this company suffered. So it's really, you can really take it and, uh, you know, deliver some... Uh, real examples with uh, like you can simply take the document and have a presentation which is really nice one thing how, mm-hmm. how did, uh, did this work the groups um, you, you work with other people around the world yeah we have uh, an online meeting every other week uh, and and yeah so there is one leader for the group and uh, people usually you know talk about If, if they heard about something interesting that happened in the last two weeks and we also work on the document so you know we each get a task or two it depends on how much available time we have and there are timelines for when we need to submit it and then we peer review one another uh, and then it is published yeah I'll use this platform to encourage anyone who think who can contribute to the working group so if you want to create the best practices for tomorrow challenges if you want to see what the great expert about a certain technology thinks, join the CSA working group. They have uh, over uh, 20 different working group on each aspect of the industry. So you can basically build the next best practices. Uh, I mean, those working groups basically create the baseline that from that we create 
the next NIST or the next ESA document or the next uh, everything that we have. So this is the base. Okay, okay Shira, let's move on. We came <laughs> to here to talk about log management. And more specifically, yes. if I want to drill down, uh, let's take Azure or AWS or Google uh, Cloud. We have a couple of different logs, like we have the logs for the management, uh, what we call uh, CloudTrail, for instance, in Amazon, and we have tr networking logs, like the VPC flow logs, and basically they are very different in nature. They have so many challenges. In the last two years, you've been investigating those and thinking how you can get more insights, and I'm really interested in the, in, in the, the knowledge that you gain during this research and uh, what kind of insights can you give us? So uh, let's talk from the, beginning, from the beginning. Let's talk again, what are cloud challenges? I mean, we, we have logs on the on-premise. What, what is different in cloud logs? Okay, so let's start by talking about why do we even need those logs? So when AWS uh, came up with uh, VPC flow logs, it wasn't even for security purposes. It was for uh, you know, usage uh, measurement. Uh, but we realized we need those uh, logs because we have different challenges in the cloud compared to the on-prem. So if we think about the good old days of the old-prem, when you wanted to, to know your environment, you had like a Visio and you knew all the uh, assets or the servers that you have and how do they go out to the internet and where are the switches and the switches and routers and everything. And in the cloud uh, nowadays, uh, yes, you have usually have a DevOps uh, team, but also uh, you know development teams have their own AWS account, and if they want, uh, they can uh, spin some new assets. They can shut down other assets. They can decide that today they are moving to serverless. Did you talk to anyone about it? <laughs> Do you understand <laughs> what it means? No, but uh, we have a Lambda function that is doing you know whatever. So it's and it's working. You cannot argue <laughs> with that. I mean, this is the, true. <laughs> so you cannot stop it. And, 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 I'm not saying that you need to stop that. The mm -hmm. opposite, you need to let them do everything they can to, you know, to run the best features most effectively. But usually developers don't have enough security knowledge. We try to train them, we try to educate them. But at the end of the day, uh, the CISO or the security team needs a way to know their way around. Uh, the first thing you'd want to know is how many cloud assets do I have? Which cloud assets do I have? What kind of security poster do they have? And in order to do that, one of the things you need to have is logs because you want to know what exactly is going on in your environment. So this is one of the things that we use the logs for. We use them to understand what active assets do we have in this account and what exactly are they doing? So this is the first reason uh, why we needed the logs and AWS understood that. So they give us access to the logs. So the first thing I have to ask users to do uh, is to activate the logs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's not activated by default. Uh, so today, I think AWS changed it, and today the VPC flow logs are activated really? mm -hmm. automatically. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, when activated, you can choose if to keep the accepted traffic logs, the rejected traffic logs, or all the logs. So the default configuration is saving only the accepted traffic logs, which is not good enough. Mm -hmm. We have, from the security perspective, we have a lot of insight coming from the rejected traffic logs because rejected traffic shows me that someone is maybe port scanning me or trying to uh, brute force my environment. So rejected traffic is very, very, very important. And I encourage everyone after uh, finishing, you know, while listening to us, please open your <laughs> AWS console and change between uh, accept and all. Mm -hmm. uh, AWS also keeps the logs 
only for 30 days. Uh, this is not enough, unfortunately. Uh, you would want to have them for more than that because unfortunately the average time it takes to find a breach is 180 days. Oh. And uh, if it happens to you, usually it's not a question, but if it's, it's a question one. of when, you would want to investigate how did this happen? Where did it start? Um, how are you going to do it without the logs? So this is another very interesting point. You have to keep your logs for more than 30 days. Okay. okay. Some other challenges we discussed uh, before that, like for instance, it's very hard to uh, understand the logs. I mean, session can start in one uh, log batch and yeah. up in another. So, uh, for example, in the flow logs, uh, these are not uh, very granular logs. They are not uh, the headers of the packet or anything. They are aggregated. So the log is, uh, it opens and AWS starts writing when a session opens. So during the session, you have two assets sending and uh, receiving packets. So we don't have a separate log for each and every packet. When they st when the session is started, AWS start uh, so-called recording it, and the log describes a session. If the session is shorter than 10 minutes, when the log uh, is finished recording and being sent uh, to the user, so this is this log describes the session. And if the session is longer than, than 10 minutes, which this could happen, uh, AWS will open a new log. Mm -hmm. So you will see two rows of logs, or if, if this is a very long uh, session, a very long socket, uh, you will see five logs. And you need to understand that all of them are a part of the same session. You need to understand that. Uh, you will see the, the sum of how many packets uh, were uh, sent and received in the session, but you kind of have to guess or calculate or to assume uh, who sent uh, the heavier uh, payloads and who accepted them. And this is also very important if you want to detect something like data exfiltration. Mm -hmm. You would want to know that uh, someone is pulling out a lot of data from your assets. Okay. Uh, I can imagine how much time you went through sorting those logs, trying to understand <laughs> that. <laughs> That's hard work. Uh, right? Yeah, the commentation is not good enough because, again, uh, the logs were meant to measure usage, not to do security. Uh, and this is, you said before that understanding the logs is a challenge, and this is true because they were meant to be consumed by machines and not <laughs> by humans. Uh, they're not very readable because uh, the ide identi identity data that you see in the log is an IP address. And when we're talking about an internal asset, you're going to see an internal IP address, and they're obviously reused all the time. Yeah. So let's say you have a log that describes, you know, a very suspicious activity. Now go and figure which asset was using this uh, IP. IP address at that time. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, if you turn the asset off and back on, it might change the IP address. So now go and guess which asset was it. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is another challenge that we have handling these logs, although this is a challenge we managed to, to overcome in Dome 9. You are touching, basically you're looking at the object and not the IP address. I mean, you can, or you can uh, map the IP address to the right object. At the right time. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. So this is why we enrich the logs uh, when, they, when, when they're streamed to us at that moment. So in this specific moment, when I see a specific IP address, I can tell which asset was using it. It's going to be a different asset tomorrow, but today I do the enrichment at the moment I got the logs, and this is why the enrichment is accurate and very time critical. So it's accurate to this very same uh, 
moment in time. Yeah. Okay, so th- this is basically how we solve, solve the challenges. I'm, I'm going back for one second. The biggest problem I've seen is the shift of mind that uh, people who are coming from on-premise, from on-premise environment don't understand how dynamic this is, and they work with static IPs, and they basically they, they map everything to IPs, and when they move into the cloud, this, the same IP address could be in one moment belong to a database, the second moment to a web server, and the third moment to a container. It doesn't really mean anything. So I, I see uh, so many networking and, and security guys so puzzled because of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, the right way to keep things is attach them to the, uh, to the object itself. Uh, if possible, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, not unfortunately, but you have a lot of users who have several accounts and a lot of VPCs. Mm-hmm. So they will reuse their IP addresses. This is mm-hmm. also they, they could have overlapping IP addresses. I mean, it's software defined network and you can have two environments with the same mm-hmm. IP addresses. Exactly. exactly. Uh, so mm-hmm. this is why if you would like to investigate an incident, uh, if you have the same IP address living in two environments, then it's going to be a real challenge for you to understand what happened here. Mm-hmm. Um, today, doing analysis of you know security incidents in the cloud is really difficult because the logs are not friendly for us. And users, I mean, their logs are not friendly, but users usually don't even keep their logs. I've talked to users who tell me that they don't keep the logs. And some of them told me, Oh, yeah, we put them in an S3 bucket. Okay, great, great. <laughs> but if, when you need access, what do you do? Uh, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> so one thing you do for them, we, we start, we're, now we start talking about how to properly do uh, log management. One thing you mentioned is enriching the logs. I mean, to add context and information about the object behind the IP address. Yeah, you right. would want to mm-hmm. add another layer of data on top of these logs because as they come from AWS, they're not very useful for you. You're not going to be able to make insight out of them. And this is why, you know, a SOC analysts or the DevOps team, if they if you ask them like, hey, what happened here? They're going to go like, uh, mm-hmm. you really want to help them out. And the first thing you, you would want to do is not to send them around looking uh, in the AWS console, who is using this API address and what kind of asset is this and why is it approaching the internet? You want to give them as much data as possible in one place so that they will have all the context in front of their eyes. They have the information that they need to start thinking and start analyzing and start you know coming to, to actionable uh, uh, insights. Mm-hmm. So the first thing you'd want to do is add another layer of data on the log and reaching it uh, with asset ID, for example. So mm-hmm. basic, you want to know which asset specifically did this and that and why. If you have the asset ID, you know their security groups. You know if it's supposed to be reaching out to the internet or not. You know if this is a, a very sensitive, you know, crown jewel, uh, the place where you keep all your secrets. Or it's just a web server, and it's very natural that it will be port scanned all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so one thing is enriching. What else do we add on top of uh, the logs to make them more uh, understandable? So, in addition to cloud insight, like what kind of asset is this, and so on, I highly recommend um, enriching the external API addresses as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have a lot of you know services today that give you. Um, um, threat intelligence or uh, IP labeling. Uh, we do that with, uh, with the checkpoint services for IP labeling. So we add to external IP addresses 
uh, another label if they're malicious or not and if they're malicious to which um, you know malware group do they belong or is this a scanner and where in the world is it coming from so uh, this is also time critical data right IP addresses change all the time CNC servers change their IP addresses all the time so this is also you know time critical you want to give the accurate uh, labeling for the time of this event and Uh, so again, you're making the life of your security engineer easier. You understand that this is a scanner. Okay, I'm not super worried about it. It's very natural that a Chinese scanner will reach out to all of my hmm. internet-facing assets, and I'm not worried about it. No. Um. <laughs> <laughs> not that we are uh, saying anything about a billion Chinese. Yeah. Of course not. This can also be a Russian IP address. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, what else? Uh, I really like the vi- your vis- visualization feature. It's yeah. like a favorite of the customers. Yes, this is very true because again, they are used to, uh, you know, the DevOps engineers who used to be IT engineers are so used to their Visio. So one day someone came up to them and say, listen, forget about the servers. Uh, here is a console and all of your assets are not even here. They are somewhere else. Welcome to the cloud. You're today a DevOps engineer. And yeah. They go like, okay, but uh, where is the infrastructure? Like, what, what, what? So uh, we have a visualization tool that actually shows you all of your cloud assets uh, uh, according to the time frame that you chose to look at them. So I can look at my, uh, you know, cloud account and the way it looked like last month or last hour. I'm going to see all the active assets because we create this map based on the logs that actually ran in our, in our environment. And the map shows us which assets were sending and receiving traffic from other cloud assets. So I know that uh, this Lambda is writing something to this uh, database. Or I know that the web server is appro- reaching out to um, an S3 bucket to uh, uh, take some uh, you know, JavaScript from it. Or I can see that a lot of my users are coming from these top three countries. So this is all making a lot of sense and I can understand what exactly happen, is happening in our environment right now. Or again, I can look at what happened last week and compare it or say, oh, I have a, all of a sudden I have traffic coming from this new geography. Why is this happening? I can see it in front of my eyes. I don't need you know, to inspect logs and guess or you know, have a gut feeling. I can see it in front of my eyes because I have a map Of all of my assets and what exactly are they doing I remember when moving from Windows to Linux <laughs> <laughs> what happened to me how you need to understand what happened uh, how you can see I don't know hundreds of th- thousands of uh, objects or uh, resources working uh, in the same time so you can also cluster them this is a good point because if you have a lot of assets in your account then it's going to be a little crazy and you're not going to be able to really make a lot of sense out of it so you can cluster them by VPC you can cluster them uh, by you know you asset type or or you can just choose to look at a specific VPC mm-hmm. and not at the whole account so it kind of narrows down at uh, the mess you have in front of your eyes um, so yeah you can look at you know what you care about at the same time of course you can also filter on top of the map mm-hmm. so you can also say okay show me only the assets that are sending and receiving traffic from the internet mm-hmm. or show only show me only asset show me only web servers show me only um, assets that did uh, SSH uh, with other assets. So you can ask questions and filter out what's unrelevant for you at this given moment. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, two questions. First of all, uh, my, 
AWS and Google has uh, VPC flow logs. Azure does Azure, have... Azure also have their uh, network logs. It's called network logs, uh, that's the name. I'm actually not sure. Okay. Uh, so they have, but they, but have, they have an equivalent. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're also uh, supporting uh, Azure in, uh, in Logic today. Uh, because again, we're seeing a lot of users uh, using multi-cloud, AWS and Azure together. Uh, Azure also very advanced with their capabilities. So it was very natural for us uh, to choose Azure as the second uh, cloud vendor uh, to support in Logic. We have a lot of demand from users to support uh, this vendor as well. Okay. A second question, how about storing the logs? I mean, wh- what insights can you give for us? Do you keep it in S3, take it from CloudWatch? I mean, give us a little bit more about Excellent. how to handle so them. So when you enable the logs, uh, they're streamed to CloudWatch, as you, as you mentioned. You need to choose a log group uh, to send your logs to. Uh, you can also store them in an S3, but as I mentioned before, if you do that, this is like a graveyard for logs <laughs> and you will never see them again. It's very hard to analyze things on S3. Yeah, yeah. It, you don't have a, a friendly interface to analyze it from there. Mm. Um, so this is why we tell our users, okay, you want to keep your logs. This is great. My, As I mentioned before, my personal recommendation is to keep the logs for more than 180 days. I wish we, we could have uh, recommended uh, something else, but this is my personal recommendation. So uh, as a user, you would like to store the logs in a place where they are easily retracted so you can easily get access to them you can easily ask questions on them uh, you you don't want to uh, put them in an s3 and then find a you know a weird way to to get them out of there and as for the time the retention time so again i recommend you know maybe a year uh, also some users you know have regulation like yeah, yeah they need to keep it for seven years so according to that maybe maybe after one year you, you you'd want to put it in some kind of colder storage uh, which is also fine uh, users can you know they can settle a lot of them settle for 30 days but I think that in the long run more and more will choose the the longer period of retention of the logs I, I'm keeping my logs inside logic or logic is going to the log store and analyze them how does it work uh, uh, all the logs are straight streamed to logic mm-hmm. and we keep them for you. Ah, okay. Uh-huh. So it's also the log management. Uh, you yeah. can, can also store my logs in logic. Yeah. So the user mm-hmm. also chooses the retention time in logic. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, because it's it's much easier. It's much easier to get back to them afterwards. Okay. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, if the user can also choose it, we will stream the logs back to them. So we, we understand that a lot of users, because they're multi-cloud users or they use on-prem and cloud together. Uh, Sometimes they want to store all the logs in one place. Sometimes they want to analyze all the logs in one place. And we understand that. They probably have some kind of CIM application on-premise and they want to bring the logs Mm -hmm. to their their friends. They they have their own SIM Mm -hmm. and we we understand that. It makes sense. So users who chooses to uh, can stream the enriched logs back to their SIM after we do the enrichment for them because I always tell them and and they usually agree with me if you can stream the logs as they come from AWS but without that extra layer of context we talked about before Sumo Logic uh, as good product as it is or Splunk or you know, you name it, they're all very, very, very good products, but they're not going to tell you which asset was using this yeah. uh, internal reused IP address at this given moment. Okay, mm-hmm. so take the enriched logs that you can gain insights instead of storing the raw data that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. This is the, the insight you can use to your users. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Excellent, this was very interesting. Let me summarize this, see if we can uh, uh, put this all uh, in uh, one paragraph. So, cloud has uh, logs and you need to monitor them. Why do you need to monitor them? Because otherwise you will not know what happened. And anyway, you have to do this because of your <laughs> regulation. <laughs> and there are two, two main types of logs uh, in the cloud, which is basically the uh, management dashboard that records anything, any of your uh, admin activities and your traffic log, which is, uh, we call them VPC flow logs in Amazon and Google, uh, and basically this is your traffic log. So you need to have, uh, basically, collect those two and analyze them for uh, insights. Collecting them is a challenge. You have to activate them, you have to do it in all the regions, you have to streamline into a certain location. This is, uh, those are all the challenges. And even after you collect them, you still need to add a layer of uh, enrichment and insights in order to make use of that. And this is exactly uh, what you do in Donine. You keep the logs, you put another layer of knowledge, or you enrich them so they will have enough log, so you ha they I will have enough logic inside of them so you can gain insights and um, basically you're adding also vir graphical virtual not virtualization visualization on top of it so you guys can see what exactly what is going on who is talking to who where is the ports open and um, last uh, questions those vpc traffic logs i mean they probably will record all the traffic from your v virtual machines. How about containers, serverless? Do they also uh, get the traffic from them? Any asset that has flow logs, we will get their traffic. It's also very important, again, and uh, it's a great opportunity to tell and ask our users. I recommend to put your uh, uh, assets within a VPC. Some assets can live outside of the VPC and then they will not have VPC flow logs. Mm -hmm. Okay. So You're referring to is it to classic. So even mm -hmm. a Lambda function can live outside of the ah, VPC. Okay. So mm -hmm. I, I recommend to put it inside a VPC so that we will have its VPC flow logs. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Okay. okay. Is there anything else that uh, you want to add? Uh, maybe? So today we didn't talk about detection in the cloud, which is something we can talk about uh, in a future uh, podcast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But detection is also a challenge. Uh, you know, users want to know what happened. They're not going to go over the logs and guess. So we also focused this past year on machine learning uh, and detecting uh, security incidents in the cloud. Uh, this is also a very important aspect of the cloud because, you know, we know some teams, we know about a very, you know, famous case that happened recently with a very large bank that has a very strong uh, cloud security team that at the end of the day didn't know that something very big was going on in their environment. The only reason they found out about it was because of their bug bounty program. Mm -hmm. So detecting uh, security events uh, in a smart way is also a challenge for us today, but this is also a challenge that we're facing uh, bravely today. Okay. This was very interesting, Shira. Thank you. Thank uh, you for having me. Thank you for all the community work you're doing. You're contributing for the community, so thank you for that as well. And thanks to all our listeners. Uh, until the next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye.